Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 439. <clears throat> Excuse me. Could and you... why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. Was that better? Thank you. Um, why? Uh, I already said that part. <laughs> <laughs> because you'll feel outstanding. And uh, always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I'm kind of uh, riding the ship here today. Uh, we've what does had, that mean? I'm, I'm in charge. Oh, riding the ship. Yeah. Writing the ship, not riding it. I probably said riding, but I meant writing. writing. But why would you write a ship? Isn't, isn't that where yeah. you like make it go the right way? Yeah, but I don't know. Because if it, you're riding the ship, then you're w, just writing. Is it R-I-T-E? Like what does writing a ship mean? I don't know. This, I might these, have to Google it. Sometimes we should like examine the phrases we use because are they correct? Um, and I always remember, did I say our motto yet? I don't even know. The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So on today's show, uh, we are going to play a clip from Abby Wambach's commencement speech at what college? Uh, Barnard. Barnard College, which is a girls' college, mm-hmm. which I didn't know. Women's. Women's. Yep. Sorry. Women's. No, it's good. It, I'm glad that you said that because, you know, we don't, but, when it's a, a man's school, we don't say it's a boy's school unless it's high school. At college, would you say a boy's college? Probably not. Yeah. It's yet another evidence of my... Whatever. Well, we were just, Todd, our, Todd our, just handed me this list of all of these great things to say um, in regards to women, and it's awesome. And that's just one, they're just small little things. Yeah. Um, I'm going to play a clip off of the Rob Bell podcast, mm-hmm. which is uh, wonderful. Um, and then that list that you're talking about. So, but I want to play a, you, sweetie, you haven't heard this yet. Okay. Um, this is a YouTube clip of a video that a listener sent in. And you may know about this video. It's a song. And the listener who submitted it, her name is Amber. I don't want to say her last name. Okay. But the name of the song is called Wild World by a guy named Drew Holcomb. You ever heard of it? Well, I know Wild World by... Yeah, that's not it. Cat Stevens. So this is a different one. Um, But it's really powerful. And when she heard this song, she thought about us. Oh, that's nice. So I'm going to play maybe the first verse or two. Okay. Um, it's a three and a half minute song, which I'm not going to play because I don't think I'm allowed to. But uh, if you haven't heard the song, um, I'll include it in the show notes so you can hear it on the YouTube clip. But here we go. This is Wild World by Drew Holcomb. Um, and a listener thought about us when she heard it. So here we go. I don't know about you, but I like to tell the truth. But the truth seems to change every Tuesday. When I watch the news, man, it just gives me the blues. No one listens, just on a mission to hear their own voice. It's a wild world, we're all trying to find our place in it. It's a wild world and no one seems to understand it. It's a wild world, but there ain't no way I'm gonna quit it. Love is all we've got to give away Some folks ain't got a dollar to their name Others got their own jet planes We all got the same blood running through our veins Whether or not you pray Black or white, straight or gay You still deserve the love of your neighbor it's a wild world we're all trying to find 
You get the point. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Never heard of this guy, but Drew freaking Holcomb. We should reach out to him and say, can we use this song? He brought it. My goodness. Maybe he'll come to the conference and sing it. The whole song is that good. Is and it it's really? it's not a long song, but he just gets it. Is he like a, a YouTuber? Is he no, a country star? No, I think he's a musician. Star? Yeah, okay. I think he's, I, I don't know who he is, to be honest with you, but okay. I'm going to find out. Yeah, let's find him. Well, I mean, he, you know, this is why I love musicians or anyone in the arts. They can sum up something with lyrics so beautifully. Yes. Um, you know, things that maybe we spend eight years trying to explain on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's funny because you said you were going to talk about, you know, the Rob podcast with uh, Richard Rohr today. I was re-listening to it in the car um, on my way to yoga this morning. And it has a lot to do with what that song is saying, which is if we live an unexamined life, then we really end up projecting unknowingly often our pain into the world. Meaning they were talking about, there was just a moment, this wasn't, this was just a moment that they had where they were talking about how when people are not self-aware, and I actually think they were alluding to our president. Mm. And this actually, the podcast was from a year or two ago. I don't think he was president when they were talking. I think he had just been, actually I'll tell you exactly when it was. Um, April of 2016. So he hadn't been elected. So he yet. hadn't been elected yet. And they were they didn't mention him by name, but they were talking about how sometimes when people live very uncertain, difficult lives, especially when they're young, mm-hmm. where they have a lot of uncertainty and a lot of imbalance and maybe not the love that all people deserve, they grow up and they demand certainty. They demand things like borders to keep them safe. They demand that other people respect them because they didn't get that when they were young. Yep. And this is why it obviously we can have compassion for that, but we can also have a, an expectation that people take responsibility for their lives and examine their pain and why they feel what they feel yep. and why they do what they do because we just keep bringing this pain onto other people who are undeserving um of that, you know, that lack of love that that person experienced. So that's a lovely song. Thank you, Amber. Yes. Thanks, Amber, for suggesting it. And thank you um, for this amazing musician, Drew Holcomb, yes. for writing the song. Um, real quick, quick take. Mm-hmm. I listened to, um, uh, we did a show a few weeks ago, a month ago, um, about a book called How to Raise an Adult Yeah. by Julie Lithcutt Hames. Yep. Right? Hames, I, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And... Um, I found out that she did a podcast. So long story short, she's an author, but she also used to be the former dean of students at Stanford University. She wrote this really amazing book, which Kathy and I talked about. We love her. And I want to insert that she also has another book called Real American, which I'm reading right now, which is amazing, and about her growing up, um, you know, African-American in Mm. this culture, in a very white culture. So anyway. Um, But there's a podcast that she did a year or two ago, and it has since come and gone, but you can find it on the archives of your podcast app called Getting In, and it's all about how to get into college, but she does it with a sense of... (laughs) Humanness? Yeah, humanity. It's not about your grades. It's not about your grades. It's not about the school you get into. It's just wonderful. And it's a wonderful resource. Um, And I'm not even telling my daughter yet that I'm listening to this because she's only a freshman, but I'm trying to like, you know, have some perspective Mm -hmm. on this process because it could be overwhelming. These kids get stressed out, blah, blah, blah. Well, the reason that I think it's like, because I've been reading Frank Bruni's book. Yes. Yes. 
I'm trying to think of what the title is. Uh, where you go is not who you are. Yes, what a wonderful title, by the right. way. Right, and and I think that the part of the reason I'm reading it is not to then teach my daughter, but is to get me in a state yes. where I'm being authentic about this whole process. Like I need to be clear about. I, I already feel like I know who I how I feel, mm-hmm. but every, you know, I like to be prepared mm-hmm. with information, research, and not to spill that to my daughter, but so I can work from that place. Makes sense? It does. Yeah. So this podcast is called Getting In. So do a search in your podcast app if you want to do it. And it's pretty cool how it's formatted. A lot of questions and answers. They they follow a bunch of high school seniors Mm -hmm. as they're trying to get into these schools. Um, But one of the resources I got out of this podcast is they have something called, uh, there's another website completely separate from this called fairtest.org. And it talks about the schools that aren't, that don't want an SAT or an ACT score and just how to kind of be judged fairly. Um, And that's just one of numerous amount of resources that this podcast gives. But so if there's any parents listening that have, you know, 16, 17 year old kids and you want to be empowered in the process or younger and you feel like you're already getting sucked into it because that's kind of the thing is I don't feel any pressure right now with my daughters at all, but I feel like it's going to get louder and louder as they progress into high school. And so I want to get grounded. So it's not so much about, okay, getting in, how do I get my kid in? It's getting in. How do I feel about this? So as we go through the process, I can stay grounded. Well, and I want to stay grounded. I want to be informed on the process because there's certain things that I want to know, like when do you apply? or how do you apply? And I didn't even know, and you know, a lot of parents of older children will laugh at me. I didn't know that there was a common app before I knew this. You know what a common app is? It's when you apply to, there's something called a common application. Oh, and, and then you, you use that application and everybody. you send it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, not everybody uses it, but it's, you know, back in the old days when you and I went to school, Absolutely. we'd have to apply to all these separate schools. Right, so, sometimes write it with your hand. Yes, mm-hmm. and I'm so ignorant. So, but having said that, I'm not going to go to my oldest daughter in two years saying, okay, this is what you need to do. I'm going to let her lead the way. And when she needs support from me, hopefully I will be in a position to support her. And the schools are set up to support the kids too. Some schools. Some schools, As I'm finding out. Oh, a hundred percent, Todd. You're so right. I shouldn't, when I said the schools, I shouldn't have said that. My daughter's school is Mm. set up to help her. There are so many schools that do not have guidance counselors, do not have social workers, do not have, you know, advisors that help the students because of financial cuts and because of the socioeconomic level of the, you know, the community. Um, So, yes, you're right. A lot of kids don't have the support they need. So that's my quick take. So the first thing I want to talk about on today's podcast is Abby Wombach. Can you tell us, the listeners, who this woman is, sweetheart? She's awesome. Other than her being awesome. Um, Okay. So Abby Wombeck is probably the best female soccer player that's ever played soccer. Yes. Um, I don't know if that's disputed. Maybe some people say Statistically, she is the most established by goal scoring and things like that. Well, I'll say this. I remember, and she talks about this in her speech, but I remember it because we watched it. There was two years ago, three years ago after she... um, uh, res- uh, not resigned. What am I saying? She retired. It's so funny that these women who are like younger than us are retiring, but that's what you do in that sports. That means we're old, sweetie. Yes. Um, when she retired, she, Peyton Manning, and Kobe Bryant were both given, or were all three given a pretty prestigious award at the ESPN I think Awards. It's the SB Humanitarian. I should know what award they were given, but it was um, a lifetime achievement. Lifetime achievement was because it was? it was about their their what they did on the field yes. or what they did on the court or what right. they did so 
all three of them were honored. And I remember, first of all, just being really happy to see a woman up there because you don't always see that. So it just gives you kind of some understanding of what a awesome player Abby is. And I remember when they won the gold medal, our family was watching. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm saying they, the team, Team USA, and I remembered it was her last uh, game or her last time being in the uh, Olympics and how honored everybody was saying that her as the captain, I hope I'm getting this right, they just gave her so many kudos that they could have never done it without her. Correct. So I just, we've just kind of followed her sports career. And then since then, let's, I'll just jump real up quick. To speed. She received the Icon Award. Icon Award. Thank okay. you. Thank you. So since then, once she retired, um, she wrote a book that I really is great that we have. And we heard an interview with her on, um, NPR. Terry Gross. Terry Gross. That's amazing. All about her life and all about her book. But then after that, she ended up meeting um, Glennon Doyle. Many of you know this um, because they were on a similar book trajectory. They both came to Chicago um, because their books were coming out, Mm -hmm. uh, Love Warrior and then... um, Abby's book. Abby's book. And what is Abby's book called? I'll find it. Keep talking. I'll find it. Okay. It's sitting on my desk. Uh, But anyway, um, they... They met and they fell in love and they have since gotten married and it's been, I think, a year or two years. And so now they're big activists Mm -hmm. together, Um, big activists like, you know, Together Rising, which is, you know, a philanthropy that Glennon started. Uh, They just raised like a million and a half dollars last week for kids who are being held in detention centers. Yep in our country. Um, and you know, so they're very active and very outspoken and Todd and I have always had a really deep appreciation for both of them. Yep. So, um, so she's speaking at this, uh, women's college, right? Uh, what's her book forward forward. That's it. Thank <clears throat> you. And, um, it's a long one yet wonderful, uh, speech that she gave and I'm going to play 90 seconds of it. Uh, maybe in two parts or maybe it's one. It's like 20 minutes, right? Yeah, it's, it's 20 really, minutes, yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is kind of, I love the metaphor she used in this. So I'm going to ho- go ahead and play it from start to finish. It's, it's a minute 24, and then we'll chat about it. Change is here. Like all little girls, I was taught to be grateful. I was taught to keep my head down, stay on the path, and get my job done. I was freaking Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood heads off to the woods and is given strict instructions. Stay on the path. Don't talk to anybody. Keep your head down, hidden underneath your handmaid's tail cape. But then she dares to get a little curious and she ventures off the path. That's of course when she encounters the big bad wolf and all hell breaks loose. The message is clear. Don't be curious. Don't make trouble. Don't say too much or bad things will happen. I stayed on the path out of fear, not of being eaten by a wolf, but of being cut, being benched, losing my paycheck. If I could go back and tell my younger self one thing, it would be this. Abby, you were never Little Red Riding Hood. You were always the wolf. We are the wolves. There we go. Yeah. Um, so that, that that little clip does not do it justice. Mm-mm. Well, that's just the beginning. Yeah. I, I feel like that's in the first five minutes, yes. and then she just goes deeper. So I just thought it was a wonderful message to 
boys, girls, men, women, all the above. It's so interesting how a lot of our fairy tales and a lot of the things that we were like raised on had deeper messages in them that we, even without maybe talking about them, we swallowed and we took, you know, we took to be fact because I think the reason that, and I'm so glad this is powerful to you too, it's not just powerful for women, but when she talks about Little Red Riding Hood, I mean, I could not agree more. Women, it's like forge ahead, keep your head down, um, do what you're supposed to do. And if you go off the path and you're curious, it's your fault that mm-hmm. you got in trouble. If you got eaten, it's a see, I told you so. It's a, you don't have any right. You don't have, this is not why you're here. And we all kind of, you know, like what's the the thing that I told you I heard a lot of my life is there's too many problems in the world. Don't make more. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that translate to, to me? Don't do anything. Fit in. Fit in. Don't make waves. Don't make waves. Don't be different. Don't ask. You know, interesting. Your sister and I were having a conversation yesterday and she was talking about when she's, you know, worked at certain places and that she is, she, we were talking about the four tendencies, Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies. And you remember you were an upholder yes. and I'm a questioner. Well, your sister is a rebel and that's, you know, she's pretty positive. She's a rebel. Mm. Would you agree with that? Yes. There's yes. some rebellious natures in her. Well, and you, you kind of have to understand what it means to be a rebel in terms of um, the, the four intentions. It's not just a rebel with the definition we know, but she kind of fights... When people tell her she has to do things, she gets angry, mm. and she also kind of argues with herself. Yeah, do you know it's inner and outer. Right. So, um, she was saying that she in the workplace, in any workplace she's been in, is always been someone who said, "Why do we do it this way? Yeah. Why? Why is this the way we do it?" And as a woman, she's gotten in a lot of trouble, mm. and she's like, "It's frustrating because." Yeah. A lot of times when men speak up and stand up about things, it's like, wow, that's a new way to see this. But when women do, and then she was also able to share with me when she worked at a a place where uh, she worked with many uh, African-American women and that she would question her boss a lot of the times. And the African-American women that she worked with would say to her, you don't understand how privileged you are because you get to do that Mm. and still keep your job. And they're like, if we were to do what you just did, we would probably be walked out of this place. So she also was able to recognize her, her, how being a rebel, she can do that as a white woman. Well, that goes back to our podcast last week of intersectionality. So it was just a really interesting conversation. And I think that it lends really well to what Abby's saying is that women who make waves they're, they get blamed. Yeah. And she she was saying, I wanted to play this game. And if I spoke up about certain things or did certain things, I could be benched. Right. No, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And, I, and I'll include the entire commencement speech that's on YouTube uh, in our show notes, if you're interested. Yes. Um, I just thought it was wonderful. Yeah. So you ready to move on? Yes. So uh, Richard Rohr is a... Um, God, how do I explain who Richard Rohr is? Um I didn't do my my homework. He is an OFM. He's a globally recognized ecumenical teacher bearing witness to universal. Isn't he a monk? He's a he's a Franciscan priest. Oh, he's Franciscan. That's what priest. I was looking for. Okay, but he's under the umbrella of Christianity. But he is all about all inclusivity. Doesn't he wear like a brown robe though? He does. He's That's got, why I always he's think got a little Obi Wan in him. Yeah, <laughs> I love this guy. So, anyways, um, Rob uh, Bell who was at our second annual Zen Parenting Conference, interviewed this guy named Richard Rohr. And um, we actually even spoke about this podcast. Yeah, we've talked about him before. Um, a year or two ago. Uh-huh. And I I felt 
compelled to revisit the podcast uh-huh. again because I what I said to you last week is this guy, in my opinion, is like a modern day mystic right, or right. like a saint or whatever, insert whatever word you want to use because he just spews out wisdom of love and inclusivity and he's so darn smart and he's so darn compassionate. Like I just wish I could kind of live with this guy for a day Me too. or a week you know or what? a year. This is great. I was just upstairs right before I came down here talking to Skylar because my Aunt Peg sent me a Mr. Rogers uh, plush doll. Oh, was that what Thank that thing you, was? Thank <laughs> you, Peggy. You <laughs> don't know? You didn't recognize I him? I looked at it. I didn't know what it was. Well, my aunt sent it to me because I love Mr. Rogers and I, I already have the, you know, the Funko mm. one with the big head and this is a plush um, because Mr. Rogers has a documentary coming out this month. He did, Obviously, he has passed away, but there's a documentary about him. And then in about a year, there's a movie with Tom Hanks. Yeah. He's starring as Mr. Rogers. So we're going to get a lot of good Mr. Rogers. Um, but Skyler was like, she, she of course, recognizes him as Daniel Tiger because there was a um, a cartoon that they did Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but it was Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, you know, as if Mr. Rogers wasn't, as kids weren't relating to him yeah, or right. something. I was like, that you was know his what? whole thing. I related to him just fine. I don't think we need to turn him into a tiger, but it's a cartoon, yeah. whatever. I'm That doesn't annoy me that much. But we were talking about him and she's like, why did you like him so much? And he reminds me a lot of Richard Rohr, mm. not in the what they did for a living, but it's the same kind of obvious kindness. Mm. When I say obvious, what I mean is it's a kind of they're, they're like warm fires. Yeah, you know they're telling the truth. It's all love. Mm-hmm. They they see beyond. They, they know what's right. Yeah, it's not the boundaries of no. hey, I'm Christian and right. you're Jewish, no. so we're not going to get along. No. He, they, there are no lines. There are no lines. There's no boundaries in this or that. Um, so, anyways, so this is like an hour and twenty minute interview, um, and it's uh, unbelievable. And I will include the link in the show notes as well. And I could have clipped out any two minutes of this hour and a half. But this is the two minutes or the 90 seconds or whatever it is. Not even. I think it's like 45 seconds that I clipped out that I thought was interesting enough for you and I to talk about. So this is Rob Bell, whom we love, interviewing Richard Rohr, who we We also love. love. So here we go. The presence. It's much harder to gather a group around positive motivation. Listen, you're going to love this. I, uh, I had a, in my uh, living school class in January a neuroscientist who's also a therapist. You can quote this, and I'm sure you will. He said we can now prove in neuroscience that anything negative, fearful, or hateful, the mind attaches to like Velcro. Got it. Really? And you can feed it for days and weeks and months. But here's the opposite except for sevens on the Enneagram. All the rest of us, anything positive, happy, joyous, loving, grateful, those are like Teflon. And he said, and I I can show you the neuroscience for this. He said, if you have a grateful, positive, isn't that beautiful moment, you have to savor it for a minimum of 15 seconds or it does not imprint on the brain. And negativity prints instantly. Instantly, yes. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? Kristen's talked about that before. I love that. 
Oh, it doesn't it make so much sense? It does. And, um, you know, this is like, you know, once again, you and I trying to come up with different ways of explaining the same thing over and over yeah. again. Um, you know, the negative that they're talking about in this interview is what I consider the ego or whatever. And the ego just kind of will always attach itself to what is negative. And I think we are kind of hardwired to that, that it imprints instantly. You know what I mean? That's the power of the ego. Absolutely. And and I think it also, you know, being so immersed in Sean Acor's research and in positive psychology, what they found with, you know, what we know about the brain is that everything is about survival. Yep. And so when we experience something negative or what we perceive to be threatening, and remember what was threatening in Little House on the Prairie days is very different than what's threatening now. Yep. Little House on the Prairie days, it was, there was a bear at your door. Mm -hmm. And now it's somebody kind of hitting me in the hallway and I, and I think they don't like me, right. but the same kind of threatening feeling comes up. And so to survive, we focus, 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 focus to try and figure out how to, and I'm putting this in air quotes, solve this problem. So it almost like makes sense in survival. Something negative happens and our brain's like, yep. like, you know, like you said, it Velcros so we can figure out how to manage it, but we don't have the same issues that mm -hmm. we, you know, we don't need the adrenaline rush that we had way back when. Right. Well, and we, to said another way, we are hardwired towards survival. Correct. We are not hardwired towards contentment, fulfillment. And what he is saying in this interview is you need to take 15 seconds, right. which seems like such a simple thing. Oh, 15 seconds. How often do we take 50? And, and that what I love about this quote is he's talking about the neuroscience of it, yes. which I love. It's one, easy, one thing for us to say, oh, just be content or be happy or meditate on the good stuff or focus on the good. Like they can show brain scans of what happens when somebody were to focus on something good for 15 seconds versus somebody who experiences it for that moment and then lets it go. Um, two cases in point. This weekend, we had a wonderfully busy weekend, yeah. you and I. Mm -hmm. What did we do on Saturday night? So Saturday we saw T-Swift. T Taylor Swizzle T to the Swizz and I love Taylor Swift for many reasons. Um, Are we? I've been to Taylor every Taylor Swift concert since Red. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been, and then I saw her at Christmas time. So we, the girls and I, have been to four concerts. Todd, thankfully, I'm so glad came this time. Um, because it's an experience. Yeah. There's not a lot of people left that can fill stadiums. Yep. I really mean that. Yeah. Like, you know, who have we seen at Soldier Field? We've saw Bon Jovi there once. You too. I, I think we kind of, I twisted your arm on that one. Um, we saw you too there. Um, there's not a there's lot not of people. not many people that mm -mm. could fill it twice. Right. She did Friday and Saturday. And and the reason it's not about, ooh, she can fill it. It's, it's justified. Meaning the show is amazing. Well, and I... Love Pink Floyd. I love the Doors. I love the Smashing Pumpkins, and I also love Taylor Swift music. Right. Now, maybe it's because it's familiar. You're big enough to to have all of that space for all of them. And maybe some of it's because it's familiar, because the girls are always wanting to listen to it. But right. there's some songs that I adore. She is also a, in my opinion, a wonderful role model for my daughters. Now, she's not perfect. Neither am I, and neither are you, and neither is anybody listening right. to this. But I just think of back of Madonna, as much as I love Madonna, but she used sexuality as a vehicle to kind of... It was the primary force, because yes. so does Taylor occasionally. She does, absolutely. Like her songs, it, we were, the girls and I were talking about the difference between, because we probably started listening to Taylor Swift at the tail end of Fearless, at the beginning of Speak Now. Mm -hmm. Like the girls were too young when Speak Now came out to go to that show. Yeah. Like that would have been like babies, mm -hmm. you know? Um, 
But when you listen to a speak now, and I'm, these are her albums, by the way, when you listen to one of those songs, it's very, she was 16, 17 yeah. years old. So it's very like we kissed mm-hmm. or we broke up. Now, you know, she has a song about, I, I have this dress. I, you know, I wear this dress so you can take it off. Mm-hmm. Like she's 27, 28 years old. And by the way, guys, we need to give space for a her woman to, to own her own sexuality. Correct, correct. But I don't, I don't know how to, if I can explain this well, but she doesn't do it in a way that... It's not primary. Exactly. It's um, That's what I mean about... That drove Madonna's bus. Yes. You know what I mean? When you, Because just the fact that you think about Madonna and you think about sexuality. With Taylor, that's not the first thing I think about. I think of songwriting. Yeah. I think of her ability to play the guitar. I think of her ability to play the piano. Uh-huh. Um, resiliency. Resiliency. She she's has gotten been, knocked down, man. She got knocked down. So anyways, so we had a wonderful night with our daughters. Yeah. And there was a moment where she was playing solo on the piano mm-hmm. and I hugged Skylar and I hugged you. And I feel like that was my 15, 15 second seconds. imprint. Uh-huh. And I could have very easily, and it's not like I purposely like, oh, I got to like take this 15 seconds, but it was like my mindfulness exercise. Good. I'm like, I want to remember this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next day we went to the White Sox game Go Sox. Uh, with our family members. We tailgated, it was fun. We barbecued. It was just a wonderful thing. You know what I was thinking, Todd? Mm. Your, sometimes Todd creates a big plan. Plan and it and it just because the nature of the amount of people coming or weather or whatever it just doesn't work like you know when you <laughs> like Todd is so earnest that's just such a good word for you like it'll be your birthday and you're like this is what I'm gonna do and this is what we're gonna feel and this is what we're gonna wear and you get so you're so earnest and yeah. a lot of times I just kind of stand back and I'm like all right you're like I'm there like I'm I've got your back no matter what even though I may not play that game I'm showing up right okay. But it rarely works out the way you create it in your brain. Right, exactly. Yesterday kind of did, except that my mom and Kira and my aunt couldn't come. Yeah, so we had some substitutes. We had some, some, you know, some people who couldn't be there. But for the most part, um, it was it like worked out. Yeah. So I kind of like loved that you got that experience. I know, and I worked hard on it. I got my grill all ready, and I went shopping them, and I did it, and it pretty much hit it. So, anyways, the reason I'm bringing this up is for all of us. Uh, people that are listening to this podcast, most likely you're a parent Mm -hmm. and maybe a parent of a kid that's under the age of 18. And all we ever hear is parents like, enjoy the time while you have it because it flies by, you kind of blink and then all of a sudden your kids are going off to college. Just build in that practice, that 15 second practice. And 15 seconds is a long time. It is. You know what I mean? It is. But maybe I'm just playing this clip as a reminder to take that 50, 15 second imprint. We teach what we need to learn, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think every teacher, you know, if you look, if you're teaching something or if you're really focused on something, it's because you struggle with it. Right. It's because you're constantly, and I'm owning that 100%, you guys. Like, that's been my whole life of my career has been like, this area is challenging for me. So I'm going to dive in yep. really deep and and try and, and then take all the knowledge and support other people yep. and know that I'm still in practice with it. Um, but uh, I wanted to to say something about, um, oh, one thing that's really, it's similar to what Richard Rohr is talking about in here is that I think one of the reasons we're challenged by this, Todd, is because, okay, I'm going to back up even further. You said something that I wanted to kind of realign. You said, our brains are hardwired to see the negative, like Richard Rohr said, and then you said, we're not hardwired for contentment. Mm -hmm. And I kind of disagree with that in that 
you're right that our brains are hardwired to survive, yep. but we are also hardwired for love and compassion. Sure. So that could be yep. contentment. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that means is that the way that our brain, what our brains are hardwired to survive, of course, but we're also filled everything like our mirror neurons in our brain. Yeah. That's so we can be empathetic yes. because so we can take care of each other. So it's both at the same time. So it's a paradox. It's a paradox, yes. which is everything. It's right. light, dark. Um, and what Todd's saying is that we, it's the two wolves. Which one are you going to work? Exactly. Which one are you going to feed? Because the survival part, thank God we have it, because if I'm crossing the railroad tracks and I see a train, I get the hell out of there. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, Or if someone's chasing me, adrenaline flows through my body and I can get out of there. So we're thankful for that survival instinct. But if we're in the grocery store and someone is like, talking to someone or in our way or on the phone and we get really angry and we think we're not surviving, then we need to take a deep breath and say, is this really that big of a deal? And what Todd said also is when something good happens, it may not be Velcro. You need to make it into Velcro. You need to take, that's, you know, it reminds me of Brene Brown saying, lean into your joy. So when you feel your joy, what a lot of people do is because they're so worried about feeling their joy because then they realize they're not they may not feel it the next minute or the next day is they'll they'll kind of push the joy away because they don't want to be disappointed when they don't feel joy. Sure. The research that the Brené Brown did is that doesn't work. That pushing away joy does not keep you from experiencing disappointment. It does not keep you from feeling pain. It is not the 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 mask or the armor that you're looking for all it does is make your life shallow yeah. so when you feel joy like Todd did at that moment at the concert you lean into it you take it into your body 15 seconds he said it takes and you enjoy it because it won't always feel like that so but how, at least you how have do you it. so um I, I could probably make up an answer but I'll ask you how do you do that for 15 seconds? Like, what do you do? Like, cause he, he didn't talk about this in the interview. Like, how do you appreciate or be mindful of those 15 seconds? Well, in, like you said, it can be different for everyone. What you did is you actually touched people. You mm-hmm. said, I'm going to hug you yes. and I'm going to hold you because a lot of, I remember a long time ago when I was struggling with something and I was so in my head that occasionally when I'd see you, I'd have to touch you to mm-hmm. get out of my head. Like yeah. I'd touch you on the shoulder be like, I got to bring, you know, I got to bring myself down to earth. Um, I also think it's something that I've been doing lately that I love. It's on my vision board in my meditation area. And I actually put it up there in January, but it's helping me more now in June. It's funny how we put things up and we're like, that doesn't mean anything to me, but I'm going to put it there. And now it's helping me is inhale courage, exhale fear. And that may mean something to you guys. It may not. It doesn't matter. It's not a magic bullet. What it is is for me, when I'm feeling something joyful, I think it takes courage to just take it in. Because what we've been taught, and again, this is going back to Brene Brown's research, is that almost like we're undeserving of the good. That if we feel the good, that we're self-absorbed. So when somebody's like, well, I don't deserve it because I, whatever, cheated on my wife, cheated on this test, had a dad who didn't love me. What I like to say is the reason you deserve it is because you were born. Like this is a birth 
right. Yes. Everybody is deserving of that. So, and if you inhale, if you and, and the reason I use the word inhale courage, exhale fear, is it is courageous. Like I have a moment when I inhale courage, where there's a part of me that I think all humans have, some of us to a greater degree than others, where we say, "Oh, you're just trying to pretend things are okay, or you're trying to override this fear by inhaling courage." There's like a, a mean voice, right? Yeah. And what I've realized is that voice will always be there. But I choose, to your point of, you know, I choose, I think I do better for everyone, including myself, when I inhale courage. So for someone who maybe has cheated on their wife or someone who has dropped the ball with their kids or someone who isn't doing well at work, the only way to turn that around is to inhale courage and to choose courage. Because if you're like, well, I'm undeserving of the courage, I'm deserving of the fear, how will it ever change? So it sounds like what you're explaining is like, and this, we could answer this a million, a million different, different ways, ways. But yeah. what you're explaining, I think, is like a little mantra. Yeah. And when it, when you say inhale courage and exhale fear, um, it reminds me of Thich Nhat. I don't know if you got that from Thich Nhat Hanh or not, but it sounds very Thich Nhat-y. That just sounds like what his deal is. But there's um, a bunch of different ways to to do that, and you have to figure out yes. what those ways are. And there's a million resources that you and I have talked about on this podcast. And it's just um, you know figure out your way of how to get mindful and how to get content and how to be present. Really, all we're saying is you got to be present in those times, right. as opposed to um, letting them slip away like silicon. And you know what? Actually, inhale courage, exhale fear, or anything. Inhale love, mm. exhale pain, whatever. You use your own words, everyone. You don't have to use mine. Is good for the Velcro moments too. Yeah. It's good for the negative moments because the negative moments are going to come. You can't sidestep those. But you, in the moment of feeling the pain or that Velcro moment, inhaling courage, like the thing that I'm that I'm trying to teach myself, and again, I'm trying to teach my children, but it's first for me, is we can handle things. You know, the big sign we have upstairs is we can do hard things. It's not, we're fine, everything's great, the world is beautiful. That's not true. What I want them to know is we can do it. We can be light and dark. We can see darkness and rise to it. We, when we have a problem or challenge, we have tools to deal with it. That because anything else is false. Yep. Like there was even to take it to a more surfacey topic. There was a a conversation on our Team Zen Facebook page about someone said, "How do I teach my uh, daughter that she's beautiful?" Um, there was more to it than that. Mm-hmm. But really, the conversation. You know, people are saying, "Oh, I've always told my daughter she was beautiful when she was little," and. And there's nothing wrong with that inherently, but that may not be true all of the time right. to society's perception. Right. I'm not saying they're not beautiful. I'm saying society is not always going to reflect that. So we have to remember to teach our children about what beauty really means. It's beautiful when you speak your mind. Yeah. It is beautiful when you smile at people. It is beautiful the way you know yourself. It is. We've got to give a new definition of that. It doesn't mean we can't say you look beautiful occasionally. We don't have to swing the pendulum so far that we stop talking about external. Yeah. But if we raise our children saying, you're beautiful no matter what, you're beautiful, you know, you've got the most beautiful hair, you're, it, it's okay to, to a point, you know what I mean, where then all they think about is the external. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got to internalize beauty. Um, so with that, I you, you brought up Team Zen. Yep. Uh, Team Zen is a, a subscription thing that Kathy and I do. We do two live Zen talks a, a month, which is where you ask questions, we answer. It's a virtual call. All you got to do is click a button on your um, uh, on your phone. 
So, uh, and you also get our, all the archived Zen talks that you and I have done. So I think we've done 34 by now, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, there's a Facebook page that um, is a lot of questions, answers, comments, inspirations, resources, resources support, advice, blah, blah, blah. Um, we also do something called triads, which is when you kind of break into little groups if you want to do it. Some people have done it and loved it. And then we have discounts on the Zen store. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, so that's the deal with Team Zen. Um, and then I want to talk about Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He's our uh, partner, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Are we done? I think we're done. Really? Yes, I got to go. I have a coaching client and I tried to push him back and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Todd's got other work to do. So we'll talk maybe about this um, article of how to help gender equality. Um, I was going to talk about it this week, but we kind of ran out of time. Can I finish with this? Sure, go ahead. So this last weekend, you guys, June 1st, 2nd, 3rd, or what is today, Toddy? Today is June 5th. June 5th. So this last weekend was behind us was the Wear Orange weekend. Um, And uh, Wear Orange is, um, there's there's several reasons why it was created, but mostly for, and I I don't have her name in front of me. She deserves to have her name said. Well, let me just say this. It's about common sense um, gun laws. And it's about bringing attention to um, remembering that we're all in this together and we are making our best effort to uh, bring some common sense back into how we view guns and the use of them. Um, so this weekend we wore orange and our community tied uh, ribbons around trees and around poles. And um, again, it just brought some awareness. And I think what I appreciated about this weekend, seeing all the orange ribbons, um, was that there's so many people who are on board with this. And and it's not just a progressive issue. It's a bipartisan issue. Um, it is something that I think we have more in common with everybody than maybe we're made to believe. Again, it's that fear thing. And I just really appreciate what our Moms Demand um, organization in Elmhurst is doing, what Moms Demand Action is doing all over our nation, and also every town. And, um, you know, it's just Todd and I were talking about how we didn't even used to talk about these kind of things on the show a couple years ago, and now we're actually participating. And, um, you know, it's about time. Right, it is activism. Activism, and you know we're we're so anyway. I just wanted to because we didn't talk about wear orange. We should have talked about it last week. I had it on my list. Did last you really? Week and I didn't get to it. Speaking yeah. of my list, iTunes reviews. We have five of them. One from Alyssa E five fourteen. We are her favorite. Thank, Thank you. you for that. Um, uh, Mission Montessori says we're inspiring. Um, and then Threaded Gypsy says it's the best podcast I've found yet. So oh, thanks nice. to all the people that give us reviews. Um, don't forget to check out Zeem t- uh, Team Zen and Zeem 10. Zeem 10. <laughs> and any other words of wisdom, my darling? Just have a great week, everybody. Um, I know a lot of people are starting their summers, meaning their kids are, our kids have been out of school for a week. But for those of you who are starting your summer, enjoy. Um, It's beautiful here in Chicago. Keep trucking. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you. Remember, you can subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's a $25 monthly subscription where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask Kathy and I questions live. 
you can't join us live, you can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page. We have a book club and get discounts on everything that we have to offer. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. Guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? I have good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, or FaceTime. You choose. First session is free. And if you're in Chicagoland, contact me about the tribe. It's a men's group, and it's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by going through the Amazon link under Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you a thing, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Finally, I want to give special thanks to our two foundation partners, the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thank you for your love and support, and keep on trucking.